Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. Psalm 107, 107th number of the psalm. Last time we looked at Psalm 103, and there we were talking about remembering God's benefits. But today I want us to look at something a little different. We're going to look at the first three verses as we read them. We're going to look at all 32, well, we're going to look at 32 verses of this psalm in the time that we have. And it won't take that long for us to do. Listen at the word of God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. I want to talk about today thanking God for deliverance. Thanking God for deliverance. Can you say that? Thanking God for deliverance. Now I would have said thank God for redemption, but redemption is a biblical word and we don't use it in our everyday vocabulary. So I didn't want to use that word. I want to talk like we talk. We want to learn how to thank God for the deliverances that we have experienced. Now, there have been a lot of words of thanksgiving this past week, and I'm sure you heard a lot of them. People were saying, I thank, I'm thankful for, and they would say what they were thankful for. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for clothes. I'm thankful for a house. I'm thankful for a friend. I'm thankful that my team won. I'm thankful that I didn't have to have a heart attack. I didn't lose my money. And, and, and we add to that list. But you know what? That list comes up short. Because what we're saying is a generic word of thanks. Thanks. 
but it's not directed toward anyone. When people say, I'm thankful for family, you're thankful to who? Who are you thanking? No, we should be saying, thank you, God, or thank you, Lord, for blessing me with. Now, why? Because the Apostle Paul has made it clear in the book of Romans, if you want to look at it, in, in the first 21 verses, he indicts the whole world, Paul. He, he charges the world with this. When people could have known God as God, they did not recognize him as God. And they changed the image of the eternal God and made him look like crawling things and flying things and creeping things and this is what he adds to it that really puts the nail in. And they were not thankful. So what he is saying is people who don't know God for real are not thankful. But those of us who know God ought to be what? Thankful to whom? To God. For the blessings that he gives. And especially the spiritual blessing. It's so easy to thank God for material things. But to elevate and to grow, to take it up a notch. We have to learn to be grateful for the spiritual blessings. For our salvation. For God saving our souls. And for God delivering us from dangers seen and unseen. How many know on a daily basis all of us face danger? Some things we can see and some things we can't see. You know, and, and we just have to learn how to just be full of thanks. When we come to church, when we come to the building, to the house that is called by God's name, this is not a, an entertainment moment. We got it real comfortable. We got the theater seats and we can rock and we lay back and, and if the right group ain't singing and they ain't doing it right, then we don't want to hear it. But we misunderstood why we're here. We come to this place to give God thanks. That's the whole thing. That's why we just say praise is what I do. That's what, that's what we do when we want to be close to God. We'd say thank you. Now, I promise you, out of those 17 new hostages that were just released from Hamas ages 4 through 17 in this last group of more or less all the way up to 89 there have been a total of what there was 13 at first and then now 17 so that's about 30 
They're supposed to release a total of 50. You better believe when they see their loved ones again, they're going to say what? Thank you. you they're going to say thank you, God. They're not going to say thank you, President Biden. They're not going to say thank you, Prime Minister Netanyahu. They're not going to say thank you, hostage negotiators. They're going to say thank you, God. That's what I would say. And if I got out from a dangerous, deadly situation, yes, I would be saying to God, thank you, God, for delivering me, for saving me, for blessing me. Are you following that? That's exactly what this Psalm 107 is teaching. Listen to how he starts it again. He starts with the thank you. He says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. That means let us all what, give thanks unto whom? The Lord. Why? Because he is good and his mercy endures forever. And then he goes on to say, who should be saying thank you? He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who are the redeemed? People who have been rescued. People who have been delivered. People who have been brought out of danger and brought into a safe place with God. Do you think thank you is too much to ask? When you have received that kind of blessing? Let me show you what the text is all about. The text describes the people of Israel as they have been delivered throughout their history. And it shows itself in four pictures of different times and from different dangers that they were delivered from. And so the psalmist is asking them to think about these things that God has delivered you from and say thank you. And thank you ought not just be what we do on one Thursday once a year. Thank you ought to be a way of life. It ought to be an attitude that we develop and a practice that we put into place every day. This text was written probably right after one of those deliverances of Israel from the danger that they were facing from another nation. Let's look at the verse 3 first. He said in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed. The word redeemed means deliver. Whom he has brought back or brought out from the hand of the enemy. That meant somebody had their hands around somebody's throat. And when they got loose from that, 
they supposed to say, thank you, Lord. Okay, and he gathered them, talking about the children of Israel, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. He gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Israel is an ancient nation. It's been around a long time. But it has always had enemies, nations that were more powerful than they, that had them in captivity. First, when their history opens, Israel was a slave nation unto the nation of Egypt. Egypt kept Israel enslaved for 430 years. Where is Egypt located? To the south of the nation of Israel. So they were in slavery for 430 years. But God had a hostage negotiator. His name was Moses. God called Moses up on the mountain. He said, look, I want you to go down to Egypt. And I want you to tell the king, the Pharaoh, that I said, let my people go. Now, Pharaoh said, I don't know this God. And why should I let my slaves go? God said, all right, if you won't let them go, then the water is going to turn into blood. If you won't let them go, then frogs will show up everywhere. If you don't let them go, I'll send an air force down through there. Of flies and gnats, and you be all in your mouth. I'll, 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 I'll mess with you. I'll send darkness. I'll send boils on your animals. I'll even send the death angel to take out your firstborn, and you will let them go. And so Israel were delivered. They were redeemed. They were brought back out of their slavery to the south by the hand of God. So what should their response be? Thank you, God, because you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Is that right? Are you understanding this? Not only was Israel delivered from Egypt during its early history, Later on, when they came out of Egypt and they settled into this land over here that they're fighting in Palestine, there was another group later on that lived in the north, and they were called Syria and Assyria. And Syria raided down through the borders and would take people and kidnap them and take them back to Syria. And later, the Assyrians took 10 whole tribes up from Israel and carried them and scattered them all over the world. But God has delivered them again. So what should their response be? Come on, don't pretend this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to fool you. All right. During the days of David, when David was king, there was a nation that lived along the Mediterranean Sea. They had weapons of iron. They were called the Philistines. 
Philistines or the Philistines. And the Philistines had this great giant named Goliath. And they constantly whipped on Israel and would carry people captive. But God delivered them from the hand of the Philistines. So what should their response be? All right, that's from the north Assyria, from the south Egypt, from the west, from the Philistines, and from the east, there was another nation called Babylon. That's where today Iraq is. They came against the people of Israel. They took up their kings. They took up their young men. They took up their brightest and best and carried them captive and kept them under their hand for 70 years. Tore up the city of Jerusalem, burned the gates with fire, tore down the walls and destroyed the cities that they lived in. But God, guess what God did? God brought them out. He delivered them. He redeemed them. He brought them back to the land. So what should have been their response? Thank you, God. Now, guess what? What I want you to hear today, that these deliverances by God are pictures of God's power. God has not only delivered the nation of Israel from the hand of its enemies, but God has delivered you and me from the hand of our enemy. Who is our enemy? Our enemy is Satan. And he has tried to capture us and keep us down and out. But God has delivered us, redeemed us through the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, our response should be. So when we come to church we're not coming to look to see who's here. It don't even matter who's singing or who's preaching because that has nothing to do with who has delivered me. And so I'm coming to be able to tell him what? All right, so now let's walk deeper into the scripture text and what we're going to see are four pictures of other deliverances, of ways that God depicted the deliverances that he gave to Israel, but that he also gives to us because we have been in the same set of circumstances. Now, what we're going to see are four things, not only four pictures, but in each picture, we're going to see four parts to the picture. The first part is going to be the predicament. Can you say predicament? That means the situation they found themselves in. All right. The second thing that we're going to see is a petition. Say petition. 
petition is the appeal to God to help me out. The third thing you're going to see is the deliverance, or should I say the, the forgiveness that God gives. And then the fourth thing would be the obligation or the praise that we should give him because of what he does. Now, if you will, Ms. Davis and others up there, if you could put these passages on the screen as I call them out so that the people can see what I'm saying, okay? So first I want us to look at verse 4. Verse 4 is the first picture. And it says, they wandered in the wilderness in, sol in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, verse 5. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. That's a picture of the nation of Israel when they were lost in the wilderness. See, when they came out of Egypt, God got them out of Egypt. He got them out of the captivity. But they did not go immediately into the promised land. God's plan was to take them apart, organize them into a nation, teach them his word so that they know how to respond to him once they got where they were going. But they got out there and got almost to the place that God wanted them and they decided we will need to send spies into the land to see if God's telling us the truth about the land. And the spies came back and said, yeah, it's a good land. It flows with milk and honey, but there are giants in that land. And we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so the people became afraid. And they said, oh, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And God said, okay, if you don't trust me, then your punishment is going to be, you're going to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. So these people, this is the first picture of people who were lost in the wilderness wandering around for 40 years and could not find no city. But guess what? That's not the only picture that pictures. It also pictures people, you, me. We have been lost. This world is a desert. And we have been lost walking around trying to find the city that we can go in to be protected where food and shelter and all of the necessities that we need can be found. And guess what? God has shown it to us. Let's look. So that was the predicament. Lost in the wilderness. Can you say that like that? Lost in the wilderness. That's the predicament. And they were Hungry and thirsty, right? That's what it says. But look at verse 6. Verse 6 is the petition. Look at the petition. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And what happened? He delivered them out of their distresses. Now, it did not say they did anything special. It did not say they changed their clothes, they changed their ways. It did not say they, they got it together before God did anything. They just did what? They cried unto the Lord. They petitioned God. They said, God, help. And guess what God did? He delivered them. Do you know how you got saved? 
because one day you cried out to God. God, help! And the Lord did what? He didn't say, oh, I need you to go to church for six months before I get you out. He didn't say, I need you to turn over a new leaf. No, God delivered you immediately. See, that's the petition. You see the delivery. Now watch what the obligation is or the response to praise. All right, look at what God did. Verse 7, he led them forth by the right way that they might go into the city of habitation. Jesus came and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he leads us straight to heaven. So we don't have to be lost no more. We know how to get there. Right? So this is the obligation, verse 8. What is the response that we should have? Verse 8 tells us, oh, that men would do what? Praise the Lord. So the responsibility for people who have been delivered is to praise the Lord. You don't praise the Lord because I want you to praise the Lord. You don't praise the Lord because I'm leading a cheerleading camp. This is not a football game. God has brought you out of your lost condition and your natural response should be praise the Lord. Let the redeemed, let those who have been delivered say so. Whenever we understand that, if that ever sinks into our mind, church would be different. What goes on in here would be different. We would feel better. We would enjoy the worship. We would enjoy the praise. We would get into it. We wouldn't be looking down the road at somebody else looking at you because it's not about what somebody else sees. They didn't bring you out of the wilderness. God brought you out. And so our obligation is to praise the Lord. That's the first picture of deliverance. All right, let's look at this. All right, look at what else God did. Not only did he bless them, he satisfied their longings and filled the hungry with good things. That was what God did, and that's what God does for us. That's why we should praise him. Now, here comes the second picture, verse 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and chain and iron. That is a picture of a person in prison. In prison on death row, waiting on death to come. That is what you saw with these hostages. These hostages were underground somewhere. I just read on the internet this morning how one of the ones who has been freed have had to adjust again to light because they have been in darkness since October 7th. Are you following me? Listen, when you are in prison, this is a picture of a person in a dungeon, in the cave, in a isolated place. They're not trying to show you light. The enemy wants to cause misery on you. That's why iron 
and chains are mentioned. Now, why were they there? That's the question you ought to ask. And the answer is verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contempted the counsel of the Most High. Can I put it this way? Now, that happened to Israel. That's why Israel ended up in captivity in Babylon. Because God told them, don't worship idol gods. Don't worship other gods other than me. But they decided they didn't want to do that. They wanted golden calves. They wanted everything else. And they worshiped those other gods. And God took them out of the land and carried them into captivity. So what the captivity was a self-imposed prison. Uh-oh. Go on and preach, Pastor. They want, they want to hear, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Most of the trouble that you and I have gotten into in our life has come because of our disobedience to God. We tell God, I know what you're saying, but this is what I'm going to do. And before we know it, we find ourselves in a prison of our own making. And we are on death row. And we can't get out. Now, how did they get out? Let me show you the petition. All right. Verse 13. Then they did what? Cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And what did he do? He saved them out of their distress. Now, again, this is grace, y'all. This is what grace is. They didn't do anything. They didn't bring anything to the table. They had nothing to offer. These were people who were in prison waiting death. So they had nothing to offer. You and I have nothing to offer. All we do is come to God and say, Lord, save me. When you get tired of your mess, when you get tired of being disobedient, when you get tired of being locked down and shut down and shut out, then you will cry out unto God and say, Lord, help me. That's the desperation of the situation. But then what does God do? God immediately saved them out of their distress. That's what grace is. That's how people in the Old Testament were saved. They found themselves in trouble and they cried out to God. God forgave them. God delivered them. Guess how you got saved? Oh, because you went to Greater Shiloh. <laughs> because you came to some other cathedral. No, because you speak in tongue. No, because you cried out unto the Lord. And the Lord heard you, and the Lord saved you. Now, guess what is the obligation? Look at what, the, look what verse 14 said. After they cried out, he brought them out of darkness and out of the shadow of death, and he broke their bonds, bands in sunder. Now, verse 15 says what the responsibility should be. Oh, that men would do what? I mean, so why is it so hard? 
on Sunday to get people to praise the Lord. This, this, if people would realize and remember the deliverances that they have experienced by God, then men would praise him. But we stand up here and like it hurts so bad. Oh, I ain't gonna praise it. <laughs> it hurts. I don't feel like it. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do it. And we act like that. But that's not the way people who have truly been delivered respond. I guarantee you in another couple of weeks after they done checked out those people and they find that they ain't got no disease and they got all that stuff and they get loose again, they're going to be in front of every camera that they can and they're going to be telling their story about how they were in captivity. But now they've been set free. Are you hearing me? This is Thanksgiving. This is what this is. This is not just thank you for something nebulous. No, this is a meaningful understanding that I have been delivered. All right, let's, let's look at another picture. Look at verse 16 first. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron and something. When God delivers, God does all of the stuff that's necessary to get you free. See, the enemy had your chain. It's true in the New Testament in Acts chapter 12. That's the count of Peter. Peter was one of the apostles of Jesus. They were going to kill Peter. They arrested him. They took him into prison. They chained him between soldiers with the expectation of putting Peter to death. But God sent an angel into that prison. And, and, and he woke Peter up. He had to slap him to get him up because Peter was asleep. And he thought he was dreaming. And the angel said, get up, put your shoes on. And when Peter got up and put his shoes on, and the angel said, follow me. And he started walking, and the prison doors just started opening. And the prison doors just kept opening. And Peter got outside, and the air hit him. And he realized he wasn't dreaming that he had actually been set free. I just want to know, what does it take for you to realize that you have been actually set free? I mean, something has to happen to wake you up. You, you need some new air or some fresh air or something to hit you in the face to help you understand that I'm no longer bound I'm no longer in change. I'm no longer in darkness. But I have been brought into the light. And I'm willing, therefore, to praise the Lord. That's the obligation. Look at it. Look at it. I'm not making this up. Listen. Look at what he says in verse 17. Why were they there? They were fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities. They have been afflicted. Okay, now let's look at the fourth picture. So we got three pictures. Well, we got two right there, right? We got lost in the wilderness. We got a person in prison on death row. And both of those have been delivered. Let's look at another picture. Verse 18. The soul that 
Ahoreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gate of death. What is that a picture of? It's a person on their sick bed that's about to die. Because when a person is on their sick bed and about to die, they lose their appetite. They don't want nothing to eat. You ever been around people? who've been so sick that they didn't want to eat, and you be trying to help them. Come on, baby, you got to eat. You got to be strong. Come on, if you're going to recover, you're going to have to eat. But when a person has given up on life and they think that death is about to come, they don't eat. That's what this picture is. And guess what? We have been there. We have been on our sick beds. Because we have been foolish in our ways. Look at this. Then here is the petition. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And over again, what does he do? He saved them out of their distress. Verse 20 tells you how. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their distress. Let's go to Israel, then I'm going to show you you, and I'll show you me in this sickness. Israel was that way. When they came out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness. They couldn't be satisfied. They complained about everything that Moses did. Moses, you done brought us out here in the wilderness to die. It would have been better for us if we had stayed in Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had leeks and melons and onions and fish in flesh pots to eat, but you were slaves. But they couldn't see that. And it just made God mad. It upset him because they wanted meat. God gave them meat. They want water. God give them water. Nothing was satisfying to the people. So God said, okay, I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to send fiery snakes among you. And the snakes began to bite the people. And when they bit the people, they became deathly ill. And God then sent his word. He sent word back to Moses. He said, Moses, take one of those snakes and overlay him in bronze and put him up on a pole. And anybody who looks up at that pole, that serpent on the pole, will live. That's what Jesus did. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And Jesus said, and I if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So when you look up and you cry out unto the Lord, the Lord heals you. Can I tell you that I've been on my bed? I've been sick. I was very sick. I did not want to eat. I really did not know whether or not I would live or die. I had overheard the doctors saying that he might not go back to Birmingham. And we don't think he's going to make it. And God sent his word. And I started quoting every scripture that I could think of, baby. And that word began to renew me. 
it got all down in me and I started saying, I'm the treasured child of the most high God. First I was whispering it. Then I got bold. I'm the treasured child of the most high God. Then that thing really started making me feel it. I said, I am the treasured child of the most high God. I started saying it. Jesus is the Christ. And by his stripes, I have my healing. And I started saying, Lord, you said you would keep me in perfect peace as I keep my mind on you because I trust you. And you know I trust you. And the more I began to speak the word, the more strength began to come through my body. And I'm standing here today to tell you So what's the obligation when God delivers like that? What should we do? Praise him. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So if you look at me and you wonder why I look like I lose my mind, it's not that I lose my mind. I'm just willing to praise him because I know from whence I've come. And I know what the Lord has done. And that's why, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Let me show you one more thing and I need to let you out. Let me show you one more, one more picture. And, 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 and verse 22 talks a little further. He says, let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's why I tell him thank you. And declare his works with rejoicing. Now here's the last picture, verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifted up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. That's the predicament. This is a picture of a sailor or a person at sea that's being threatened by a storm on the sea. Can I tell you, I've been there. And many of you know that I love to fish. And I love to deep sea fish in particular. And I often go down to Florida, go down to Destin, go down to Gulf, and I charter boats and I go out, way out into the deep. So far out that there is no sight of land. Most of the time, the waters are calm. Because we try to check the weather report to make sure that for the eight hours or so that we're going to be out there, everything's all right. But there have been some times when the weather fooled me. When I got out there. And God decided, well, let me just go ahead and hide the sun. And let me speak to these winds and stir up this ocean a little bit. And the water start rising and, and the rain start coming. And, and, and you start doing stuff that you would not normally do because I'm usually pretty, pretty strong. But all of a sudden I start going overboard and letting go protein that I wasn't intending to let go. And my body start feeling queasy. And my heart start beating a little fast because you start thinking, man, this thing might not stay afloat. 
Because now, instead of it going smoothly on the water, it's going almost upside down. And man, there is nothing more frightening than the thought of the possibility of drowning at sea. Of being caught in a storm with nobody around, no boats to rescue, nowhere help could come from. And in a situation like that, you tell me you don't cry out unto God, God, save me. Man, I've seen ugly stuff that come out of that water. I've seen things with great big mouths. I've seen things with ugly teeth that you know will tear you up. You don't want to be on that side of the water. You want to be on this side. But look at the rescue. Look at the deliverance. Look at the petition. The petition is verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then look at the response of the people. Then are they glad because the storm be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. So now what is the obligation? It's right there in verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful deliverance and his mighty acts. Y'all, can I tell you, you might have been lost in a wilderness. You may have been in a dungeon of your own making. You may have been on your sickbed. Uh, you may have been a sailor out on a storm-tossed sea. But if you're here today because the Lord has brought you, you ought to be redeemed enough to say so. You got to understand that there are still people who are still lost out here in this world, still wandering around, still looking for a city. You got to know there are still people in prison of their own making, and they're going to die unless there's some form of rescue. There are still people on their sickbed, got one foot in the grave and one foot on this side of heaven. There are still people who were sinking. I was deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me now safe am I because I know what happened love God's love lifted me God's love brought me out God's love saved me and now my heart says yes now my soul says yes I can say Jesus I love you I can praise the Lord if I have to do it by myself because I know what the Lord has done for me 
I'm not confused. When I come to church, I don't care who's here. It doesn't matter. As long as God is here, we're going to have a praise party. I'm going to tell him thank you. I'm going to pat my foot. I'm going to clap my hand. I'll stand on my feet. I'll lift up holy hands and tell him praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. You wasn't in that room with me. You wasn't in that dungeon with me. You wasn't on that sea with me. You wasn't in that wilderness with me. But the Lord got me out. And because I have been delivered, I can say so. Is there anybody here this morning who has been delivered? Can you say so? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on, I want you to hear it now. Decision-making, decision-making talk. Crowd to God. Tell him, Jesus, I love you. Save my heart, save my soul. Come into my life. Help me to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl you want me to be. And I want you to know your life will change in here today. The door is open. Anytime during this song, give God your heart. Give one of these your hand. Jesus, I love you. Listen at it. Jesus, I love you. That's what you gotta say. And you are welcome in. You're welcome in this place. I'm lost without you. Lost without you.
that's what has to happen. Your heart has to say yes. If you notice in all four of those pictures, no matter what the circumstance was, they cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, God immediately moved. If you want to be saved, if you want to be sure, cry out to God in your own way and God will respond to you and you will know that you have been delivered, redeemed, brought back, bought back, bought with a price and then you will be under obligation to praise the name of the Lord. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church it becomes the church for the unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.